Welcome to the Drive Able Podcast, where each episode you get to listen to two of Australia's leading professionals in the area of driving and community mobility for people with disabilities. In each episode, they interview drivers, carers, and industry experts and share the insider's guide to driving with a disability. Here are your hosts, Brad and Ollie. Welcome to the Drivable Podcast. I'm Elliot Varian here and over there is Brad Williams. Today we are talking about becoming a driver trainer OT and everything around that with Beth Cheel from the Institute of Driver Health. Institute of Driver Health is one of the leading training organizations for upskilling OTs to become driver OTs. And they're also one of the country's leading driver OT clinics providing OT service as well. So this one's going to be really, really exciting. Brad, are you ready for another great episode? Yeah, I met Beth when I was first doing my driver training. So she's uh, been around for a while. She was involved in training me way back in 2008. So she's got a heap of experience and a lot of knowledge. And I can't wait to get her on board and, and start this conversation. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to get into today's interview. But before we get started, just a real quick shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT. This show takes a lot of time and money to put together, and we're forever grateful for their passion for our industry. Okay, enough with that. Let's get into the interview. Today, we have Beth, who's one of the founders and head educators at the Institute of Driver Health. G'day, Beth. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. I love coming and talking to you guys. Thank you. Um, wait, we're going to ask you the same question we ask everybody, and that's to introduce yourself and a little bit of a background and, and how you've got to where you are today. Well, I'm an occupational therapist. I trained a long time ago, so I might not admit how long ago, but I trained as an occupational therapy driving assessor in 1999. And I've been working pretty much exclusively in that area since then. Um, so, yeah, that's my specialty for most of my career. And um, I got a job at Sydney University working in the, a driver assessment and rehab clinic in 2004. So that's when I started being involved in training the trainers. So um, training occupational therapists to become OT driving assessors and training driving instructors to become rehab qualified and other health professionals. And then that continued for many years. And in about 2018, um, we carried on that training through Institute of Driver Health. So Institute of Driver Health is a business that I've set up with my partner, Dr. Joan O'Donnell. And um, so together we run this business and it's been a really great journey. My business partner, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just said before we came uh, on air with yourself in our in little introduction that I um, met you way back in 2008 when I became driver trained. So you've, you've got a, a bunch more experience than me uh, if you've been doing it since uh, 99. I'm sure you've got some uh, wonderful stories to share over that time, but um, you what's can you think of a one-off highlight or one or two highlights that have been your your big uh, they stick in your memory type of thing Ooh, well as an occupational therapy driving assessor you certainly get to see all different kinds of people driving with 
lots of significant disabilities. So I think there's everyone's got lots of memorable ones, people mm. driving with significant cognitive impairment where there's been some near misses and it's a bit hair raising. <laughs> so I could, I'm sure I could pull a few of those ones out, but um, well, just thinking on the hop, ah, oh, gosh, I don't know. I'll put you under the pump. If it, if it so comes don't, up, don't, uh, don't bring, bring us back to it. If it comes up, uh, I, story comes up. Um, what? What? Can you tell us a bit more about uh, the company Institute of Driver yeah. Health? Um, yeah, so like, what do you guys do? Yeah. Oh well. So Institute of Driver Health has three arms. We have um, a research arm. So that's where. Just, so Joan and I are both. We've both got our PhDs. Joan is in more um oh gosh in in terms of aneurysms repair of aneurysms she did her research around um driving and oh gosh sorry joan <laughs> driving after um brain surgery to to coil aneurysms so she, um that's her background and mine was in how to assess cognitive fitness to drive for people with cognitive impairment and how can you assess someone in the office to see if they're going to be fit to drive without taking them out in a car. So, which is tricky, of course. So that was my PhD. And um, so we've continued to publish in this area. We've got a couple of papers, both of us um, just recently accepted and uh, we are involved in different research projects. Like at the moment, we are involved in a project with the George Institute um, training older drivers in how to manage high-level technology in their vehicles. And then there is, um, we have clinical services. So we've got some wonderful clinical staff who do our day-to-day -day driving assessments um, for people. So that's who just, like just the standard kind of NDIS yeah, stuff? fitness to drives assessments and NDIS assessments and so how on. Many, how many um, OTs you have there? So we have Lyndall Bainbridge and Laura but boss guy so she they were both our clinical OTs and we've got Heidi we're setting up a new clinic in Tari that we're actually um down the coast a little bit from there but that's Foster we're going to set one up at Foster and it's Haley oh, cool. that's running that so three clinical OTs and then Lyndall is uh, also our clinical our education services manager so Laura is our clinical services manager as well so that's our clinical arm and the education arm is running courses for health professionals so we do courses for optometrists for doctors for uh, occupational therapists who want to become driving assessors or who just want to gain knowledge in this area different short courses as well and for driving instructors so yeah, quite a big suite of courses we offer oh yeah cool yeah well it's fascinating um the courses that you do offer and you know i've just updated some uh skills uh with our team at uh, at our office with some um yeah keeping the education and the professional development up and and getting the best uh that we possibly can for our clients your um the the research uh um we're that's fascinating, but we're going to ask more questions today about the training side of it all, because we want to ask for the people that might be listening into this, the OTs especially, uh, but also some of the support coordinators and some of the clients, what actually makes a driver trained OT? So what training do they have to go through? And what are some of the things that they might have had to have done prior to doing the course? Mm -hmm. So to work as an occupational therapy driving assessor, you do need to do some additional training because obviously it's a very high stakes area. 
So the advice that occupational therapists are giving in this area could affect safety of the participant driving and also the community. So you definitely don't want to get this wrong and you're working within legal frameworks of licensing authorities and legislation. So you really do need that additional training to become a certified um, occupational therapy driving assessor. So there's three courses in Australia that do this. Ours is just one of them. Um, and so um, it, it's very important not to be making recommendations about return to driving and vehicle modifications if you don't have that extra layer of training just because of yeah the safety implications. So it's an advanced area of practice. So you just have one um, course that covers the whole thing of becoming a um, We have one course that uh, is the certification for occupational therapy driving assessors, but we do have short courses that are just information kind of courses for like, for example, in heavy uh, commercial vehicle assessment and training. And that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, with the so that certified course, um, is it like are you when you said there was three, are they all certified? And is there like some kind of um, so for someone who's looking to get into that, um, is there something they need to look out for, um, like some kind of certification uh, so they don't it, accidentally? Uh, get it has to be an occupational therapy Australia recognised course. Yeah. Okay. OTA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for people that may be looking into this, Beth, if you know we're we're talking about the um, your driver institute of health, um, but we're also point out there that UniSA in South Australia are running a course, Latrobe are running a course, and there's another one in Sydney, I think, isn't there? Um, Latrobe no longer runs the course. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the course is run by Caroline Unsworth. Yeah. I'm not quite sure which university it's through at the moment but yeah so you might want to look at what's uh, available in your local area and, and closest to you uh, if you're thinking about doing this um, Beth are there some requirements for an occupational therapist prior to going into the course yeah we recommend a minimum of two years clinical practice so it's probably not a really good job role for a new graduate just because it is an advanced area of practice so you need some prerequisite skills so some work skills people skills because there's a bit of conflict in this area sometimes you're withdrawing people's capacity to drive which is can be a bit fraught and also just some good base clinical skills like in range of movement and strength testing cognitive screening and so on um, apart from that as long as you're a qualified occupational therapist then yeah we need occupational therapists from all domains in this area mental health but it is probably suits the skill set of a, a physical OT as well particularly. Is, what about any kind of um, experience as a driver OT before you actually can sign off on stuff is there any requirement for that or is there any recommendations around that? Uh, only that you do that postgraduate course which is generally around two to three weeks so, yeah, you need to get that certification and then you can start making recommendations for things around vehicles. And if I'm, a, if I'm like a, I guess, an OT that's um, been, you know, relatively new, I guess, um, as you said, a couple of years down the track and maybe um, wanting to dig further into my career, um, what is the benefit of being a driver OT? Is there, is there like, um, is it a passion? Is it better pay, better clients, more like, like what, what, is, the, what is the attraction? Someone. Uh, I well I love the area I guess you've got to like driving um, it's a very concrete area of practice which is what I like about it um, it's sort of you know you just 
doing functional assessment and basically troubleshooting for people and solving problems. So if someone's lost their right leg, they can no longer use that right leg on the brake and accelerator. Okay, what will we do? We, they've still got an intact left leg. So let's put an accelerator on the left and teach them to drive with their left leg on the brake and the accelerator or they're unable to use both of their lower limbs, maybe due to complete spinal cord injury. Well, let's move the gas and the brake up to the upper limbs and, and work on that. You know, So it's pretty concrete. You, can, you feel like you're really helping people and you've got a, a kit of tools that, yeah, they can really solve people's issues in this area, get them back into really important life roles, like you know, take the children to school, to work, to you know go to lots of social activities and um, a lot of people comment that when they get back to driving they feel like oh okay now I've got my life back ah yeah so well that's that, you just um I just had a penny drop moment thanks to you um because you just explained to me how my mind works and now I know why I love doing mobility engineering so much yeah um, and doing those driving products because what you just said is typically how I work is um is if okay if this doesn't work let's look at solving that problem like you know x plus this equals that you know type yeah. thing and um and I guess that's a, a big point to point out because it's if you're aware that you process things in that manner then um then this is a, a good field to get into I, I'm, I'm hearing and and as you said like we're, we're all of us here are um passions for for keeping uh community safe and uh, through through the roads so um so that's also a big part of it as well, having that passion for driving and transport, I'm hearing. Yeah. And a lot of clients tell us that when they get back to driving, they just feel like they're just an, a typical member of the community. Um, they There's no disability on the road. No one can see their wheelchair or limitations. They just drive along, pay their toll like everyone else, get from A to B. Um, they, yeah, a lot of people with a disability just love to drive and it's an extremely rewarding area to work in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that, that's another common theme that we've had actually on this podcast where you, um, the, the idea that, you know, people often can't even see in the car, so you, they can just see the non-disabled part, for lack of a better term. Like, so, so that's, what, that's a big kind of attraction to people. So, yeah. and as you said, it's very rewarding. So it's, it's really cool. I, I just want to add something into what you're saying, uh, Beth. Um, you know, as a driver trained OT, I don't want to jump in and steal any thunder or, or anything else like that. But there's, a, there's a, a, a mindset, a model that we work at, uh, around as, as OTs called the PEO model, which is person, environment, and the actual occupation. So what is the actual task that you're doing? And we get taught to assess the person, assess the environment, and then assess the task that they're actually doing and, and figure out whether there's issues in any of those areas. And what's so good about driving for me is that the driving assessment fits smack bang into that model. Uh, we assess the physical abilities of the person or the cognitive abilities of the person or the, or the vision side of the person. Um, and then we look at the actual task of driving. How do you control the steering wheel and, and try to match that up? How do you control the pedals and try and match that up? How do you get in and out of the car? Try and match that up. And then we also look at where do you drive? What's involved in actually driving? Because it's not just getting in and out of the car and making the steering wheel spin around and making the pedals go up and down. It's actually what type of environment are you actually driving in? Is it going to church on a Sunday in a small country town or is it going 
to and from work every day and starting your life journey as a 16 year old and you've got 60 years worth of driving in front of you there's there's completely different uh roles in the driving in the driving world beth did you want to expand on that or or uh oh that's a really good description yeah i think that's why i love it too because you're just looking at someone's whole of life and we get such variety of clients you um yeah, all different challenges from someone who's um, living with short stature to someone who's living with high level spinal cord injury to someone living with traumatic brain injury and I'm um, just helping people to identify their goals and in terms of community access and and hopefully just get back to driving if they're going to be a candidate for driving and that's safe and legal or enabling them to at least be a passenger in a vehicle and travel safely which is um, yeah, a lot of what Ali does, get making sure people are secured safely in vehicles, in wheelchairs. and yeah. so, so if, if someone is, um, what I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing actually kind of a lot of interesting things for me on a personal level as well, but with this POE model, um, so let's say if I'm a, you know, an OT again, that's sort of coming up and done a few years and looking to expand my career, what I'm hearing is um, that, uh, well, to give a context first is often I find in our world, and it might be the same in yours, that um, people tend to think vehicles are very complicated um, and they can be very overwhelming. Um, and a lot of people go, oh, you know, vehicles, that's the really hard stuff. You know, they're so complicated. Um, we get that on the engineering. And I have heard that sometimes in the OT space. I don't know if it's that common. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess what I'm hearing is actually sounds like it might actually align well with OT training and a lot of OTs might be able to get into it a lot easier than what they might actually think. What do you think? Do you, do you feel like there's a, do you feel like they need to have a passion for cars, Beth? Not necessarily. Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, you have to like driving and not get very car sick, I suppose, because you're in cars and trucks a lot. That gets better over time. Just yeah, saying. Right. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, for occupational therapists, it's just a functional assessment, really, in a car. I mean, of course, you, you need to do that extra training because there's all the legal and safety implications. But it's, yeah, just like um, doing a kitchen assessment. You're looking at someone's component performance, someone's functional performance, the context of the task, exactly um, like we were just saying before, person environment performance. So, yeah. You don't have to be a chef to do a kitchen assessment. As no, an example, right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to have a passion for cooking. You're looking at someone's ability to be able to undertake a task and mm. then breaking that down with the OT training that you've got. And what Beth uh, does uh, with her course is teaches you how to take your mindset of being an OT and direct that into the task of driving, which is yeah. um, if I get a lot of questions because, you know, when we're hiring staff, um, Am I pigeonholing myself? Am I, am I, is it restricted with the type of work that you're doing? Did you want to touch on that at all, Beth, for yeah, OTs that might be contemplating it? Our business chooses just to work with um, the, the role of a driver and with passengers. But, um, you know, there's no reason why you can't practice across all different domains. Like you can still do wheelchair prescription, home modifications, driving. Um, it just adds another string to your bow and maybe even adds a whole new career as an OT. I think Brad and I, we've specialised in driving and love it and our whole, our whole businesses are pretty much around that, but um, you don't have to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the um, other thing that I wanted to take um, on top of that was 
you don't you don't have to i just want to add it back in that you don't have to have a passion for cars you will learn about different accelerators the same as you'll learn about different rocker knives or kettle yeah. tippers and you'll learn about different steering aids the same way as you'll about different cutlery and, and things like that i'm just using kitchen assessments as, a, as an example because that's what we're trained as uh, on really early in our ot careers especially if you're in the rehab field but it's the same for mental health or it's the same for uh, other areas you, you're you're analyzing a task and um and adding to it and but the the variety of clients that need driving assessments is is significant so uh yesterday i was doing a dementia assessment and the day before i was looking at uh, wheelchair access that was last week wheelchair access for somebody that has very restricted limbs and looking at high level controls where they won't even touch the steering wheel and they won't even touch any pedals. And it's all going to be done by remote electronic high level controls. Uh, yeah. and, and they're sitting back from all of the uh, standard controls of a car. So there's, there's a massive variety in this work. Is there, is there a need, um, like, is there a shortage for this specialty? Mm. Um, should people be flocking to you and, and going out and getting the work? Because I, I guess I, I hear it anecdotally um, that there's not, a, there's not enough driver OTs, but is actually that the case? No, it's definitely the case. Of course, it depends where you're based, but even in the major capital cities, there's still a shortage of occupational therapy driving assessors and most definitely in rural and regional areas. There can be long waiting lists. Even in Sydney, there's waiting lists at some of the hospitals that are six and 12 months. So, yeah, yeah we badly need occupational therapy driving assessors trained. If, in you're, if you're a regional um, OT, actually, I mean, I, interest, I'm not an OT, so I won't push it too hard, but it'd be interesting to see what you guys think about that. I would say it's kind of should be a given because you're going to be doing a lot more variety of stuff for a smaller community. So you kind of need to have all of those bows. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, so the, a lot of the rural and regional areas are just crying out for occupational therapy driving assessors. They have yeah. to travel a long way to find one. And yeah, yeah. it's like Dubbo Orange. And, uh, and um, I traveled is, three is, hours. Is, I traveled three to... hours yesterday for an assessment. So wow. uh, traveling out to the client because there's just no option in their area. So, yeah, I 100% back that up. Yeah. Are you able to um, become do the, the the training remotely, or do you have to come? Um, so we did put the training um, re remotely. We put the training online at the beginning of COVID. It was just a COVID response. Uh, like everyone else, we had to think about how to transition our business to cope with the pandemic. And um, I think, yeah, all of us had to do that. So um, we had a course booked with 18 people ready to come to us and only a few weeks to respond. So, and now ours was the only course in Australia that was still two weeks face-to-face. -face. So we quickly had to pivot to online training, um, not letting excellent be the enemy of good. And of course, face-to-face -face training is ideal, but um, the choice for all the training organisations is do we just stop training for the next, well, going on three years now? Um, universities had the same question, you know, and so um, universities transitioned to 100% online training. Both of my um, children have done two years of their health science degree 100% online, including pracs and so on. So it's not, it's not the best, but it 
you know otherwise do you just not do anything for a few years so yeah we put it online but it had a lot of equity benefits for, for that period because people from rural and regional areas OTs were saying to us we're just so grateful that we we're able to do this course we couldn't afford to come to well that's why I wanted to point that out because if it is available um, I guess that's a big encouragement for people from those regional areas to reach out and and do that because as I said it's something that I've experienced because I've done a lot of um uh, work and and try and push the the kind of all of this stuff out in the regional areas because there is a huge shortage and um and and I guess if you're an OT it's 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 more business you know so that's that's one one end one angle to it it's a bit more um potential as you said another avenue to your career and more income but particularly and I know a lot of the regional people don't think that way rural people it's more about being able to holistically serve the community you know um and and I and I guess I would encourage people to really look at that, particularly if it is available online, because they don't have to lose, you know, days of work and accommodation and all that kind of stuff. They can just do it online and and, and start helping the community. Well, fortunately, um, the borders, international borders, have opened recently, and most of the state borders and things are easing. So we'll review, um, go, you know, have to review that going forward. But yeah, it's been wonderful just to hear the stories from people in very remote areas just saying yeah I couldn't afford to have done this course because it would have been two weeks of accommodation in Sydney and the cost of the course and so on so yeah it's been really great to see that those sorts of people have had opportunity to do the training so it takes two full weeks is it full time so no um now we do uh, well the the model we we do is a blended model so we've got four days online and um five days face to face yeah, so yeah. it's about well, it's about ten days all up. And then once you do that, um, just to clarify again, then you can basically get straight into it, or do you have to do some other things? Um, as long as you meet the competency standards and yep. the course competencies is signed off on all the skills, and you hand in your assignments and pass those, and then there's yeah. So as long as you meet the course requirements, then. That takes most people about two weeks after the end of the course to finish. So like, let's say the process takes about oh, five or six weeks, depending on how quickly you do the assignments and so on. Do you think the there course, is, um, uh, sorry. I was going to say the course itself is two to three, or let's say three weeks now with the yeah, online okay. model. Yeah. Um, do you um, think, I mean, I'm hearing that there's maybe not a requirement, but would you recommend some form of um having someone over your shoulder for a certain period of time period of time um, yeah. and what what would you, do you have any kind of standardized recommendation around that oh uh, yes it's it's much better for the people who come and do the training who are going back to established clinics like um, that like Brad Scott so that because they can get that one-on-one -on -one good support with people after the course because it, it, you can only pick up so much it's a very intense course there's so much content it's quite complex um, so yeah, and, and you're also sometimes not at the stage when you're ready to take information in until you start to do it and then you start to get those questions. Oh, I know they went through that in the course, but now what do I do? Um, so we definitely recommend a mentor. So we do um, offer mentoring for um, a few several sessions for the online attendees. And, uh, and or we try to link people up both face-to-face -face and online with people that we know that are in their areas so that they can get ongoing support. Um, and luckily, a lot of attendees already have that in place as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I 100% yeah. agree with finding a mentor. Um, yeah, it is a new area um, of, of practice when you come out of the course. Um, 
your brain's full of information. You've, you've, you've learned how to put it into place, but you really need to hone those skills um, to, and develop those. And um, yeah, look, if, you, if you're working by yourself, please set yourself up with a mentor because um, you might only have one driver assessment every couple of weeks or every couple of months when you first start, uh, especially if you're working for yourself and not in an established clinic. Um, you want to make sure that, that you're getting that support over a longer period as well. Is there, is there any, like, so um, on that, I guess what I'm thinking is going back to the story of like, you know, let's say the, the rural OT who's maybe working on their own um, and then they've come and done the training and they go out on their own. Um, is there, like, that could be pretty overwhelming or challenging. And, and as we know, um, like I said in the beginning, there's a general perception that cars are complicated. You know, you go at high speeds, there's, there's a lot of potential implications. So people can get quite scared in that environment. Um, yeah. So, for example, OT Australia, is there any kind of associations or anything anyone can reach out to potentially yeah. to find mentorship? Yep, there's the, um, each state has its own driving focus group, which I strongly recommend anyone in this um, area joins because that's where you keep up to date with recent changes in license authority policy because that is often changing and, um, and you get to hear what other people are doing. We all come across the same sorts of problems so we can discuss them as a group like, oh, this, this came up the other day and you'll usually find it. everyone's, you know, got some issues. So I would definitely join the focus groups uh, and... Yeah, I think oh, there's um, there's some really good online OT. Oh, Brad runs a really good online OT um, network, which is really good to join. You can ask your questions there. So recommend that for sure. Yeah, and then there's some other um, OTs as well offering some uh, courses once you've become qualified uh, that um, I can't remember the name of the company. I've got a blank, but um, they, you can search up um drive ot driver education i think is what it's called and you can search for them on facebook and and they run some courses to help with certain topics around around this area throughout the year specialization um, yeah i've just got to keep an eye on the on the time i just want to um there was a question that we kind of brushed over a little bit i want to um just get your opinion on it beth if we possibly can and that's the rate of pay um, there's no rate of pay from my point of view uh, difference whether you're doing a, a driving yeah. assessment or or a kitchen assessment, especially when we're talking about NDIS. Do you just want to uh, touch yeah. base on that at all, Beth? Yeah, I mean it's an individual business decision or practitioner decision. You've just got to think about your business costs, um, your overheads, how much of a profit margin you want, um, and set your own prices but I mean I think the NDIS is always a good guide which is um, coming up to nearly $200 an hour so but yeah it's just the same as practice in any other area. So but, driver OT doesn't get like more money per hour than another OT? No I mean if you're a private business you can set your rates how you wish but yeah not really. But, but in terms of NDIS benefit? No. Nope. So advanced no, scope of practice, Beth, do you, do you want to make any comments on that? I know we're not, uh, oh, I'm definitely not involved in that area right now. I don't know if you are or not um, about the advanced scope of practice for driver trained OTs. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah. Uh... With, just in general, just though... to let people know there's some stuff going on in the background in regards to um, looking at driving as an advanced scope of practice um and and that there may be some changes along this uh in that area as time goes forward but in general as you said 
um, you're not doing this as an OT. Like if you're an OT thinking about this, um, if you're thinking about, oh, this is becoming a driver OTs is, is the way for me to go make my millions. That's obviously not, <laughs> that, that's obviously not the answer. I don't know if any area of OT is the answer to that. I'm <laughs> an actuary or something else. <laughs> no, if, you, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're doing OT, you're doing it for the love of yeah, uh, right. assisting people. Yeah. And this is another, like we've said, another string to your bow. There's a lot of skills that you learn in the driving course that you can use in other areas of OT as well. Um, but it's a, it's more about the passion of helping someone, Beth. Is it all, right? To me, it also, yeah, sorry, it also seems like a natural evolution after the house um to start learning about the car yeah yes you mean like home modifications and so on like if you're as you said if you're being taught early on to do kitchen assessments and things like that as an ot it would make sense that once you're confident about that we start going towards transport yeah it's a super interesting area i particularly enjoy working with um heavy vehicles commercial vehicles like trucks and buses and um uh, forklifts and motorbikes so it's not just all about cars yeah yeah it's a really uh, interesting area to work in yeah yeah okay cool that's really cool all right well time's flown we've gone over time again like we do every single week ali we've got to keep a better eye on the time um 20 minutes says time flies anyway before we wind up we ask everybody a final question beth so we're going to ask that of you as well but just before we do ask that final question we want to again give a a quick acknowledgement to our sponsors that make the show possible. Uh, a massive shout out to Mobility Engineering and again to Williams OT. As we go through each of these podcasts, we've learned so much about the enjoyment of driving, about the what it can mean to somebody's life. And we know that cars are way more than just getting from A to B. Is there a memory that you can share about being in a car doesn't have to be about being a driver trained OT, but a memory or something that you do in your car that's special to you? Oh, as a driver myself or with a car? As a driver yourself or whatever if you works. Want to relate Anything it to work, be, you can. Something um, funny, something different. Oh, geez. Um, do you know what? When we're driving, I always get my husband to drive. I don't know. Uh, uh, I know some of the assessments I've done are super rewarding and, um, so, yeah, sometimes you just feel even a bit emotional. I had a client recently who uh, was had a congenital condition, which meant she was living without any arms and and with only one leg. So, and um, just to see her drive with you know the technology is amazing. To see her drive is actually just like watching a child learn to walk, and it was just so. I almost felt a bit tearful, like oh wow, you know this is such an achievement for someone living with that much limitation. So yeah, super rewarding. That was that's my most memorable assessment in terms of being just like proud and happy to be involved in the process. <laughs> ah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. absolutely awesome. So thanks very much. Um, if our listeners want to get any further information from you uh, or want to get in contact, maybe about becoming a driver trained OT, what's the best place that they can do that? Yeah, they can maybe email is, my email is beth, B-E-T-H, at driverhealth.com.au. And we'll put links up to your website if that's all right with you so people can go and hunt it down. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, So that's it for this show. Make sure that if you like this show, make sure you go to the um, show notes. If you want to get any more information, just search Drive Able Podcast. You can search for it on Facebook or Instagram. 
um, or you can check out the show notes on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, we're across a multitude of uh, podcast channels now. So make sure you go and have a look at the show notes for the link to uh, the Institute of Driver Health. And as um, we do every episode, where Ellie and I are going to break down our top three takeaways after this short break. But mm -hmm. at the moment, uh, we just want to say thanks again to you, Beth. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks very Thank much. Mm -hmm. See ya. All right. Welcome back. In this section, we bring you our expert analysis and top three takeaways from the interview. This is where Brad and I provide our more than 30 years of joint experience in the industry, helping people with disabilities to drive and get out in the community in a safe and meaningful way. So as always, what's our top three takeaways, Brad? Kick us off. Yeah, well, so this one's not for the people with disabilities uh, per se, but it's it's going to help people with disabilities because if we can uh, help more OTs become driver trained, then we're going to certainly help um, more people with disabilities get it out and about on the road. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about as our number one is that it just fits with OT. Doing driving assessments just fits within the models and frameworks that we do. And Ali, I, I, I saw your eyes light up when we were talking about the PEO model, the person environment and the occupational model. Um, you, you found that really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we said, um, also, like it's, definitely not a pigeonholing thing. You don't just become a driver OT and just do that. You can kind of do everything, but it does very much follow, as you said, that PEO model. And for me, um, I think actually it's really interesting because I, I've been working um, as a mechanical engineer and, and also within this disability industry and, and OTs for, um, for probably 15 years now and or more, but um, I've always found that I, um, get along really well with OTs and we tend to understand each other. And I've always said, you know, it's like you guys are like the mechanical engineers of the people and we're like the mechanical engineers of the, of the cars. And, and it was almost like a penny drop moment when it's the PEO, because that's pretty much the, the same kind of philosophy that you're working on as an engineer. You know, you're looking at all things, cause and effect. What does this cause? What does that affect? Mm -hmm. If we do this, what's that going to do? Um, and so, yeah, it was really like a big eye opening moment as well. And, um, and it's really cool that it, for me, even learning about it from an OT point of view, it makes so much sense, as you said, to just get out there and get it done, regardless of whether you're a driver OT or not, because it just fits within that model so well. Yeah. So um, let us know, people, if uh, Ali should uh, become an OT and we should sign him up to be an OT. Where you know, There's always a need for a new OT out there, but uh, let us know in the show notes if you think he should. We'll see. Maybe, maybe a uni degree. I don't know if <laughs> another one, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing that we just wanted to point out is that you do need to have two years of experience. Most you, most courses that are running around Australia um, agree with that, is that you do need to have a level of knowledge and skills and experience with dealing with diversity um, um, and also dealing with difficult assessments and providing negative feedback at some stage. Um, so you do need to have some life experience as, as an OT to do this course, but don't put it in the too hard basket. It Have a go. It, it, it really does match with the OT philosophies for sure. But on that note, as we mentioned, um, to really highlight as part of this, this, this takeaway is that 
um, get a mentor to accelerate that experience because yeah, that's our number two I, takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, um, yeah. And I guess maybe we'll roll into that. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, um, and yeah. Um, is that, is that you can, well, first of all, as you said, you need to get that experience to qualify for the course, but even once you do these courses and you do everything you look in me personally, I, I'm just a believer of mentors for your whole life. Um, so I kind of can't talk about them enough, but as we've said before, particularly in the driving environment, and even look, even the kitchen environment, don't, don't, um, there's more dangerous things that's going on in a kitchen than actually in a car, much more, but people, and, and actually to highlight that point, a lot of people think the car's really dangerous and complicated and so on, but man, there's a lot of, lot of dangerous stuff going on in those kitchens. So, so the point is, is that, um, you need to sort of know how to navigate these situations and you're not going to know just by going to a course, as Beth said, it's intensive. You're going to be faced with your first client and go, what the hell am I doing here? You know? So you really need people to bounce off. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And one of the things that Beth uh, made mention of was the focus group in South Australia. It's called the driver interest group um, in New South Wales. It's a focus group. Um, Queensland's got one. Um, Western Australia's got one. Northern Territory, I think, joined in with Queensland and Victoria's definitely got one. Not so really sure about Tasmania. But yeah, get involved in those for sure. There's there's wonderful conversations that go on in those. Um, quite often, there's a whole bunch of problem solving. I know that when I first started, I, um, I had a really difficult client, um, somebody that had amputations to all four limbs. And, and I took the project there basically and and asked for help and it, it made a massive difference in my early stages of learning and i can't speak highly enough of the driver interest group uh, here in south australia but all of them they they do offer amazing support um you need to be an ota member but don't let that put you off uh, we should all be ota members anyway uh, if you're an ot so yeah make sure you get involved in a driver interest group They've got lots of interest groups for all kinds of areas of OT, but once you've done the course, make sure you get involved in, in that. Well, it sounds like that's something you kind of really need to be part of as a, even as a minimum, especially if you're just exclusively doing driver trained OT um, as a minimum duty of care, you know, for upskilling. So um, the massive so advocate say, for the OT association and these interest groups are, are huge. So yeah. 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 And, and they get people like I've presented at some of them as well. So, you know, it's, it's really good. I, I would highly recommend it. And, um, and I guess, on that note, we've been really selling, um, really pushing and selling the idea of driver OT. And, and uh, I guess the reason why is to really highlight that there is that shortage, you know, um, hundred percent, you know, uh, um, yeah, I, I employ people in this area and they're like hen's teeth. They're, yeah, yeah. they're very, very hard to, um, find one as an employer, um, trying to find an employee is, is almost impossible just because it is such a small area um, of OT. And um, yeah, you don't, you don't do it for the money. We've, we've yeah. mentioned that you do it for the, for the passion of helping people. Um, but look, it, it certainly is rewarding. And, and Beth gave the example of her person with, with one limb, one working limb and, and being able to provide freedom and, an opportunity for that person to get out and about it. It certainly is. You, you do it for the, the, the reward at the end of it. I'd, I'd add a little bit, and I'm interested to hear your feedback on this, um, uh, Brad. I guess from my observations, and we mentioned before in this podcast that 
with the um, NDIS and so on, the number of OTs coming out of uni is just unprecedented and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I guess this, if you become a driver OT, then um, you, you stand out, you know, and, and, and I'm guessing, Brad, you've probably never had trouble earning money um, because you're a driver OT. You've probably never had trouble getting a job. Is that right? One of, one of the hardest things that we have to deal with every day is, and Beth mentioned it as well, is, is the wait lists. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, so that's that's the biggest complaints that we get uh, is is how come I can't be seen? There is a there is a shortage of driver trained OTs. Um, yeah. NDIS have put us in the spotlight in regards to vehicle modifications and uh, driving assessments to make sure that people are sound drivers with such modifications before they prescribe things like behind you in your picture there the the turnout seats and and so forth, especially if it's for a driver. Yeah, they put the spotlight on OT and they've certainly put the spotlight on driver trained OTs when it comes to uh, vehicle modifications and and driving with such aids and so forth. So, yes. yeah, look, it's it's a great area to get into. It's very rewarding. Um, you can hear the, the passion in Beth's voice when she talks about it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It's, the OT field to get into a little bit biased. Yeah, sounds good. A little bit biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that winds up our top three takeaways. Um, It really does fit with OT. Make sure that you get a mentor and look, there is a shortage and and, um, a bit of a a plug to get people involved in the course. Um, As we wind up this episode, we want to give a shout out to the sponsors, Mobility Engineering and uh, Williams OT. Williams OT Driver Assessments and Rehab is all the pieces of the puzzle to assist people with disabilities reach their driving and community mobility goals. And Mobility Engineering is a team of passionate and dedicated people focused on bringing Australia's largest range of suitable transport options for all walks of life. And as we say in every episode, this advice that we've provided today in the podcast is general in nature. So if you've got any queries about what's right for you, uh, make sure you, well, we normally say it for people with disabilities, make sure you set yourself up with a trial uh, with a mobility dealer or OT. But in this episode, make sure you go and check out the universities but the Institute of Driver Health to get more information about the driving course. That's it for today. That's it, Brad. Thanks very much. All right, mate. See you in the next one. Have a good week, everyone. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barry. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.